You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the All Purpose Pod for an All Purpose Life. Thank you for joining us again on They Call Me Mr. You. I'm your host, Mr. You. Wherever you are today, however you're listening to the podcast for the people, thank you again for making They Call Me Mr. You just a small part of your morning, your day, and your week with your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. We definitely appreciate all your support and your listenership. Thank you again for joining us. We are in... What's in effect, the season finale of They Call Me Mr. You, season three's final episode. Thank you so much again for all of the subscriptions, for sharing us on your social media platforms. Thank you for retweeting us and sharing us and definitely appreciate your listening and subscribing with us. We really appreciate it. I tell you what, I can go into that maybe at a time in the future, but this particular season was... The greatest season we ever had doing the show, but it was also the hardest one for us personally. So many things happened that I'm not even sure I can explain it. Maybe someday in the future, but right now I definitely couldn't. But we endured so many different things that went on during this season. Honestly, I asked some questions about whether this show would continue. I really had some questions about that. There was so much going on personally, but we were still able to put out new episodes every Thursday and every Monday. And you guys have been responding. You guys have been appreciative of our content. You've been chatting us up on our social media platforms and you've been listening and subscribing. I can't thank you enough, guys. I just want to let you know before we end our season today. Thank you so much for making a call me Mr. You a small part of your life. Your morning, your day, and your week. But most of all, your life. Thank you for listening to this crazy Brooklyn kid. Who's just trying to serve God. I really appreciate it. So, let's jump into our season finale episode for today. Here's a question for you guys. Have you ever had somebody ask you to help them with a situation that they have never lifted a finger themselves to address? Have you ever had someone say to you, you're the answer to my prayers. Well, you're exactly what we needed. But no follow through, no response, no action. When you ask them what they've done so far or what progress they've made, all they can offer you is a blank piece of paper and some ideas in their head because they've made no efforts whatsoever. They were not working. Perhaps they were just waiting for a savior. I want to make sure you understand me when I say something like that. This isn't about religion. 
But some people have decided that, you know what? They have the ability, they have the power to work. But they'd rather wait for a savior. I don't mean Jesus Christ. I'm talking about hypothetically. They're waiting for a savior. They didn't even notice that they didn't have a viable one until the storm struck. They didn't know they were uncovered until the ship began to fill with water. It never even crossed their mind that they needed a savior until the boat of their normal life began to shake and it began to rock. And they began to fear for their life that they realized that, you know what? I need a savior. The story of Jonah might mostly be relegated to a children's Sunday school lesson. I can see why that leap is made more often than not. I get it. Man runs away from God. Man gets swallowed by a big fish. I get it. It's made for children. But there's some real layers to this account that I want us to look through. As we jump into the season finale episode of They Call Me Mr. You. If you're in a role play, I'm going to give you three important parts that I want you to play in this production today. Your ability to understand your role and your part in all this will make or break the show. Today, I'm going to ask you to play three very important roles. Pull out those acting chops, get in the wardrobe, get in the character. Giving you three jobs today. The first one, you'll be asked to play the main character, Jonah. Then, you'll also be asked to play the mariners on the ship. And lastly, you'll also be asked to play the Ninevite people. Okay? So you're going to play the main character, Jonah. You're going to play the mariners on the ship. And you're going to play the Ninevite people. So essentially, you got three jobs. Don't blow it. But basically, you are the star of the show, quite literally. So before we start this, I think it'll help our listeners to understand this very specific point from the very beginning. Because if I don't say this here, I think this may get lost in the entire account of Jonah here. So I want to say this in, in advance. I want our listeners to understand this very important point from the beginning. God does not like sin. He hates it. You repeat that to your friends in the back back there. I think it's important. It's worth repeating. God does not like sin. He hates it. Say it with me one more time. God does not like sin. He hates it. Why is that important? Well, that inarguably important point matters because it gives us a sneak peek into the character of the creator. How many times have you heard of or witnessed a national tragedy and openly questioned where God was in it or why it was allowed to happen? How many times have you done that? If you be honest today, we all have. Back in September 11th, 2001, we experienced a national tragedy. And in that tragedy, many people began to question. They probably were questioning long before that, but they questioned openly why God would allow this to happen and where was he in all this? Hopefully mom doesn't mind me sharing the story a little bit. 
I'll leave some of the details out, but in the Empire State Building, my mom was supposed to have an appointment in there that morning on September the 11th, 2001. I was at work. She had an appointment in that building on September the 11th, 2001. She woke up that morning, just didn't feel like she needed to go. So appointment canceled. And as you already know, if you're in touch with your history at all, you know what happened on that day and you understand the significance of what happened then. To me, it was significant for many reasons because it happened in my hometown with people that were impacted by that I knew and cared for, but also that my mother is still here with me today because she canceled that appointment. I'm not asking where God was in that. I can't blame God for what happened that day. Most times, the people who question things like this or have these kind of questions, most times, just generally speaking, no condemnation, but most times they don't have the benefit of a relationship with God where they know him by his character. See, religion can be really ugly in that it allows us to place expectations on God based on how we feel or how we see him. What we read and what we think he's saying and what we think he meant and read things in a certain situation. We make assumptions for him. We try to speak and think for him a lot of times. Religion has that kind of effect. Relationship doesn't. Have you ever seen a child that knows their parents love them and got the impression that anything they did was okay? Because their parents love them. They can scream and throw stuff. They can take take a pen and jab you in your arm. It's all good. They can take a cup full of water and toss it across the room. It's all good. No correction. No discipline. It's whatever because my parents love me. And they don't tell me no. The character of the creator is huge here. I'm going to tell you why. Because if you just think of sin as something bad that you shouldn't do, you'll miss a very important point. Sin is not just described as wrongdoing, but it is also defined as separation from God. What did I say at the outset of this episode today? God does not like sin, nor does he condone it. He hates it. This is the reason why. It's not just described as wrongdoing or something you get a slap on the hand for. It's defined as separation from God. I hope you get the inference there. If sin is separation from God, which it is, and he hates it, which he does, what does that tell you? A plus B equals C. If A is sin is separation from God and B is God hates sin, what is C? C is God loves you and doesn't want to be separated from you. A plus B equals C. Thank you, Pythagoras. The reason he hates sinfulness so much is because it separates his people from him. His voice is not heard. His wisdom is not received. His touch is not felt. His presence is unwelcome. Sin brings a wall or a partition between the one that he loves I should say the one and the, and the one who is loving. 
Sin brings a wall of partition between the creator and his creation, whom he loves and desires to be in fellowship with. Be careful here not to think about love with conditions the way that we do. Like, they won't help me anymore, so I don't love them anymore. She won't give me potato chips because I asked for them, so I don't love her anymore. His love is without conditions. He's loving those that actually despise him. That's unconditional love. You don't need any more proof than John 3 and 16, where he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for that world. He didn't say they loved him. He didn't say they were waiting desperately for him to, to return or that they were in expectation of him at all. All it said was he loved them so much that he gave his only. He gave his best. We won't give away our only TV set, much less our only begotten son. Or our last bag of our favorite candies, much less our only begotten son. Or our last card in the eggs to a neighbor, or a bag of sugar, or anything from our pantry for that matter, that we think we need for our only begotten son. Giving away our last anything is a huge sacrifice for us most times. How would you describe giving away your first and only? How do you feel even thinking about the concept of doing that? Giving away your first, your only. It's a totally different conversation. That's how much sin is hated by God. He does not want to be separated from you at all, despite how the world is telling you you are and telling you where you should be and telling you how you should feel and how you should look and how you should think. God sees something so much greater in you than that. He sees what you can't see. That's why his vantage point is best. His perspective is best. His word is best. His character is best because you see the very best in you when you're looking at him. I know children who I'm positive that if they had a father who loved them no matter what, their entire lives would have been different. They wouldn't have fell in with gangs. They wouldn't have fell in with cults. They wouldn't have fell in with the wrong crowd of drug users and drug pushers. They wouldn't have fell into jails and prisons and they wouldn't have fell into the grave. At an early age. Had they had somebody looking at them. The way God looks at you. You and I. Thinks about how much he loves us. And how valuable he sees us. God doesn't want to be separated from you at all. Not for a minute. Not an hour or a year. Much less an eternity. So now we understand a little bit about his character and all this. Just a little bit. Let's jump into the account. Jonah was sent by God to speak to a people against sin. The sin in the city of Nineveh was so great that it created a horrifying stench that it was said that it reached even up to the heavens. So clearly, there needed to be a response. Someone who has God's best interest to speak to these people and warn them to turn away from their behaviors and turn back to God. So they won't bring destruction on themselves. In this scenario, you are Jonah. You are tasked with being a mouthpiece for the master himself. 
might sound easy and simple. Your chest might poke out, but it's a huge job. It might be tempting to say what you want to say and give those sinful folks a piece of your mind, but that's not your assignment. That's probably the primary reason why you probably never even hear the voice of God tell you to share what's on your heart to a people he sent you to. Jeremiah 17 and 9 indicates the condition of our hearts and why they can't be trusted. Jonah was commissioned to go to a people who had a long reputation for being vile, disgusting, crude, flat out wicked. They were detestable in everyone's eyes. Everybody hated the Ninevites. Everybody thought them as low, base, crude, and maybe even worthless. Everybody, including Jonah. But their creator loved them. You think about that part right there. Pause there for a second and think about that. The whole world thought that they were disgusting, not worthy to live another day on the earth, and their creator loved them enough to send them some help, to send them a messenger. Before you judge somebody, think about that. Mm, Let's keep moving. But Jonah said no thank you to sending the Ninevites a message of hope. Now imagine now in the role of Jonah that you have an answer for somebody that's in trouble. In your life where you are right now, God gave you an answer for somebody that's in trouble. But you won't give it to them because in your estimation, people that God sent you that message to give to, you don't think they deserve it. You think they should be punished instead because of all they've done. In your opinion, it should be wiped off the face of the earth. The world would be a better place if they weren't in it. So you decide not to give the message of hope. What does it sound like now that the words are being said on the outside, Jonah? Have you been given a word for people you don't respect or you don't have compassion for? Have you delayed giving them a message of hope? Are you comforted by watching them suffer in their own sinfulness? Because it's what you think they deserve. So instead of doing what the Lord has commissioned you to do, Jonah, you bury yourself in your work. You tell others that you're called to a different kind of ministry. You do an extra hours at work and you don't have time. You're too busy to get too committed. You're not on a ship sailing to Tarshish, but you might as well be. You're still running away from the first thing that the Lord gave you to do. The first assignment. The part that we don't seem to understand when running away from our obligations to the voice of God is that this action or inaction places us in a very peculiar place called rebellion. The Bible says it's the same as practicing witchcraft, which clearly is not good despite what the world around us is saying. It's not a good thing. It displeases God greatly. He hates it. And he hates sin. So what does that tell you? Multiple generations were swallowed up because of that level of sin. So you know it's not pleasing. But when you, Jonah, engage in rebellion, everybody around you suffers an unfair punishment. Wherever you go, whatever work you put your hands to are automatically going to fail and potentially put those around you in peril. Jonah's attempt to escape an all-seeing, all-knowing father put a group of mariners at sea in grave danger. A storm rose up against the ship and everyone aboard. They tried to dump items off of the ship to make it lighter, but nothing worked. It was discerned that someone on the ship brought the trouble 
to their lives. Then one of the mariners thought it was a great idea that everybody consult their own gods. And maybe they pool their resources. Imagine that. One of the gods will think enough of them to save everybody on the ship from a certain death. Basically, the spiritual version of throwing it all against the wall and seeing what sticks. This is where you begin to embrace the role of the mariners. They had so much and probably were active in trading since the place they were heading was world-renowned for it. Are you too busy working to build a good life for yourself that the God of your youth is long gone and has been replaced with a false God? Have you put your trust in your own abilities to provide for yourself and not the giver of that gift, the giver of that talent? There's something that's been on my heart for a long time, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that finds it baffling, but believers have become so easily beguiled by those that dress and talk and act like them. I mean, real sheep know a wolf when they see one, disguised or not. They know when a sheep is among them. You can tell because they all run in a different direction. Believers in modern times will invite the wolf to prime seats in the sanctuary and honor him like an esteemed special guest right before he makes lunch of many of them. The fact that we're on the same, in the same building at the same time, doing the same things publicly does not mean that we're operating through the same God. In short, we assume and expect too much nowadays. We don't inspect nearly enough. You don't have to be a judge to be a fruit inspector. Are you mariners evaluating the company that you keep? Do you know amongst whom you labor with? Are you willing to take that long trip with these people, confident that you're of like minds? Because your life is worth more than a gamble. Now that we're thinking about this differently, do we really want our neighbors to call upon his or her gods? Or would you prefer a personal, more intimate relationship with the creator yourself so you're not dependent on somebody else's religion. Especially if your life depends on it. Like in this case it did. So to fast forward, Jonah reveals himself as the cause for this great storm that's come against the ship and asks that they throw him off of the ship to spare the lives of all of the sailors. During which time, of course you know, he was swallowed by a great fish, remained inside of the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, he dwelt in complete darkness the entire time until light showed up. He repented of his attitude and acknowledged his need to respond appropriately to what was asked of him. He adjusted himself. He changed his behavior, in a sense. So here's your final role, the role of the people of Nineveh, the Ninevites. When was the last time somebody gave you a word that didn't go down smooth? They ruffled your feathers. They made you a little bit upset. The people of Nineveh, I'm speculating here, but they're probably pretty comfortable with their lifestyles. Just assuming. They've been doing what they need to do for a long time now. And to them, it's probably all justifiable at this point. Besides, nobody said anything about this all this time, so why we got to stop now? Keep doing what you're doing, right? What's the one area in your life that's off limits to a word from God? Think about it before you answer. 
What's the one area in your life that's off limits to a word from God? What's the one place you don't feel like you're ready to discuss or invite outside eyes to evaluate? Have we gotten to the point where we've been doing this thing so long that we can't even see why it's wrong? Are we setting our ways that we just can't fathom changing our normal routines? What if the stuff we've always done, the habits we always had, were all displeasing to God? What if? What if the stuff we've been doing all this time, the habits that we always had, were all displeasing to the Lord? How quickly would you be able to adjust and change everything? You know why this sort of story of like Jonah goes much deeper than a simple Sunday school lesson? You know why? Because it highlights what it looks like when we operate in religion and not in relationship. That's why. We think if we do good, God is satisfied with that. We think we know how God thinks and what he likes and what he accepts. Jonah was like, I can't imagine why God would want to help those wretched people. They filthy the animals away with all of them. That was Jonah. God is saying, are you much better in all of your goodness? Do you think you've done enough good things to condemn those that have not? Like the mariners, they proclaimed sending petitions to their God in a term that implied ownership. As in, I know my God and I know what he likes and what he wants. If we pray to him, I know he's going to answer us and do whatever we need. Because I know his character and I know his heart, right? We say that and think that pridefully. But what does scripture actually say about this kind of mindset? Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, His thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways. It doesn't disqualify a relationship, but it does discourage the casual connection. Whether your life mirrors that of the Mariners or the Ninevite people or Jonah himself, this story screams at the reader that a relationship with the father cannot be replaced. Some of the roles you played today were complete with assumption, false expectation, uncertainty, and maybe an unwillingness to understand the character of God. For that, there is no suitable replacement. So, in short, when you call upon your God, I pray that you know who it is that's going to be answering you, wherever you are today, however you're listening to the podcast for the people. Thank you again for making a Call Me Mr. You, just a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We are your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. This is our season finale episode. We'll take a little break. And we'll be back in February 2023. I'd ask you today that you continue to share us. Please continue to subscribe and catch up on all those old episodes you probably missed. Three full seasons of content wherever you enjoy your podcast. Have fun. Enjoy the break. And enjoy the music. Coach out.
Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.